Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you out this morning. You've got to have a foundation of the Word in order to go forward in God. Nothing, you're never going to accomplish anything on your own without the Word and believing the Word. So thank God we're in the right place at the right time for the will of God to take place. There's another side to every message, you know. The Bible does talk about as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. But we're not talking about that. I'm talking about things that you already know in your spirit. You've prayed about things that belong to you in the Word of God. And you've been waiting for God to do it for you. Well, guess what? He's not going to do it for you. Is that there when them Remy graduates is saying that? I wanted to get your attention, shock you awake. God is not going to do it for you. Let me say it again. He is not going, God is not going to do it for you. Jesus is not going to do it for you. The Holy Ghost is not going to do it for you. I know. You're close to passing out. And your question is, remember you stayed awake probably most of the night wanting to ask this question. Why? You want to know why he's not going to do it for me. Isn't that right? That's the question you want to ask. Why is God or the Holy Ghost or Jesus not going to do it for me? Somehow I knew he was going to ask that question. (laughs) And this is the answer. It's because he's already done it. Let it sink in. Everybody in the world is already saved. But if they don't take advantage of it, they will go to hell. Every person in the world already has miracles available to them. He don't have to come back and do it. He's already died. He's already suffered the penalty for us. He's already been raised from the dead. And he's already sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. It's already done. Jesus said, it is finished. He completed his work. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But the majority of the body of Christ, in the word of faith movement we would call it, I know that we entered into another phase, is presently today waiting on God to do something that he cannot do. Why? Because he cannot, he cannot do it because he's already done it. We're not waiting on God anymore. Isn't that right? We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. The lady with the issue of blood, remember in Mark chapter 5, the lady with the issue of blood, the power of God was available through Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come hunt her down. He didn't say, where's that lady at? Let me go find her. Where's she at? Where's house she live on? Oh, that's good. Down on Glory that's Avenue good. next close to Peter Street? That's good. No. That lady said, I know where the power's at. Come I'm on. going to get mine. Isn't that right? That's right. She yeah. went and she took what was already hers. Amen. But guess what? There was a multitude standing around him. And according to the Bible, only one person in the multitude received from God 
Why did she receive and they didn't? Jesus said, daughter, thy faith. Thy faith means your actions. What you have done has caused this to happen. He didn't do it. She did it. It was available to her. Now, he done it because the power was there. But she took action and took advantage of what belonged to her. That means take advantage of what belongs to you. We're waiting on God. And again, there's, there's a truth to be led by the Spirit of God. But if it's already yours, and there's many things that belongs to us. Isn't that right? We're not waiting on God anymore. He's waiting on us. I'm glad you're excited about it. Isn't that right? I'm glad you're excited. But now, what, what I'm speaking at you and yelling at you and screaming at you, I'm applying it to my life. I mean, my faith is stretched so tight right now, and I've wound up so because we're step, stepping forward this year because the Lord got on me too. You know, the Bible talks about the workmen as first partakers. You know, the, oh, you know how preachers, how we going to be a first partaker of it? Well, I've done partook of this. <laughs> and then he stretched me out over the, what we call the holiday season, you know, <clears throat> just, just seeking him, meditating and praying. And the Lord began to do, I'm talking about a booming voice. Jesus didn't sit down and talk to me like he did Brother Hagin, you know, for an hour and a half, two hours. But in my spirit, he began to talk to me. He said, you've been waiting on me and you've been making this excuse and you've been making that excuse and you've been putting it off because of this. You can't do that. He said, why don't you just stop believing all those negative things? He said, just get up and do what I told you to do. He said, don't you believe I'm going to be with you? I said, well, <laughs> I guess I do, you know. <laughs> don't you think I'm going to be with you? Because that's where it all comes down to. It's childlike faith. I'm going to step out there and just see if he'll catch me. I'm going to step out there and see if he'll stand with me. If I bust the ground wide open, at least I'm going to take a step in faith. Peter said, Lord, if that be you, bid me come to you on the water. Jesus didn't say, you crazy fool, you. You've always had a big mouth. You've always stepped out where you shouldn't be. Just stay in that doggone boat before you drown. He didn't tell, he didn't tell him that, did he? What did he say? He said, come. Get out of that boat, boy. Get out of that place of safety. Step out here and see if I catch you or not. <laughs> and Peter didn't have no better sense. I, you know he had to think about it. He's human as us. What if I drown? What if I go under? And he said, well, what if I make it? Let's go. <laughs> he stepped out of the boat. It's your year to step out of the boat. <laughs> but just don't step out in the middle of nothing. Step out on his word. Peter, he said, Peter walked on the water. No, he didn't. Human beings cannot walk on water. Except further up north. <laughs> Where it's frozen. Solid. They taught me how to do it. You just go out there when it's frozen, you walk on all of it you want to. 
But if it's not frozen, a human being is going down. So never think that Peter walked on the water. He didn't. He walked on C-O-M-E. He walked on one word from God. Just one word. The word held him up. It wasn't the water. Water won't hold you up. That's, it's warming up today, but I'd still advise not to do it right now. Go try to walk across the pond, but when you get home, you can fill your bathtub up and step in there and see if you sink to the bottom. You're not going to walk on water. Nobody is. But you can walk on one word from God. So I'm waiting for him to give me a word. Somehow I thought that. The Bible is the word of God speaking to you. This is your time. I'm telling you. I believe I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. This is our day. Oh, this time for an outpouring. But God's got to get his people. He's a resurrection coming to us. You know what I mean? We had not been dead, but it's almost like we have been. We've been just waiting, you know, waiting, waiting. But it's time to arise. It's time to move forward. But again, remember, I'm not saying just wildly do something. I'm talking about extremely believe the word of God. Just be like Lucy. Be like Lucy. Whoo, the old hound dog. Lucy didn't bark till she got a revelation. When she got a revelation, it took her to a destination. The old rabbit hunting dog. Or whatever she was tracking, but usually rabbits or something like that. According to what you trained the dog for, you know. Oh, and they'll run other animals too, but you know what I'm talking about. Wild animals. But... That's what we want to do. That ought to be your goal this year. Just write it on your refrigerator. Stick it up there. I'm going to be like Lucy. <laughs> we got all these faith confessions. But you'll always remember Lucy. We're going to put your nose to the word. There is absolutely nothing that you cannot receive this year that you set out with a purpose to obtain. Nothing. If there are things that you can't receive now based on the word of God, then God's word itself is not true. But we know God's word is true. <laughs> the things that be impossible with men are possible with God. Men and women have impossibility thinking, but God has no such thinking. All things are possible to those who believe. And so you're saying, well, how am I going to get there? What am I going to do? I knew you was going to ask that question somehow. And so the Spirit of God spoke into my spirit. And let me see where the Scripture's at now. He knows everything. You know what I mean? It's in the Bible somewhere. You know, when he, when he talks to me, it's in the Bible. I think it's in Luke. So let's start turning that direction. The book of Luke. St. Luke. Thank God for St. Luke. 
how are we going to get there? How are we going to be extreme? What do we do? When I say extreme, again, with balance, I'm not talking, about, again, about wildly just taking off like a wild maniac. What I'm doing is talking about acting on the Word of God and being extreme in our faith. Because without a foundation of God's Word, you're not going to go very far. <clears throat> you, you may get real excited and you may be all motivated, you could call it, for you know, a little while or a day or two or, or at least a minute or two, maybe five or ten minutes. But after a while, it's going to all fizzle out without a good foundation. And then another thing is, you've got a devil out there that don't want you to reach your destination. And you're going to encounter him along the way. And you, I've been waiting to share that part with you, you know. Because I've got to build you up and get you wanting to go first. And now everybody's ready to go. I can just watch yeah. you. When you first come in, you know, it was like a... But now it's... God, where, where? Get out of my way. But that's what the Spirit of God will do. See, your spirit has picked that up. It's in your spirit. That's the way God does. This is not a motivational message. This is a Holy Ghost message. There is a difference. It's not psychological and logical. This is a faith message. Move forward in faith. Isn't that right? There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a big difference. But where did you tell me to turn to? The book of Luke. Anybody got the verse yet? Or we got to find it? Or did I give you a verse? Let me see here. What about uh, Luke chapter 14, verse number 28? Could we read the words directly from Jesus? Let's just see what Jesus has to say. Now, Jesus was the Son of God, but the Bible says, of course, still is, but the Bible says also he was Emmanuel, God with us, manifested in the flesh. So we could say that this word this morning is from God himself. The creator of all things who is your heavenly father. So this is a word from him. Not premeditated by me. But given to me in the inspiration of the moment by the spirit of the living God that comes from him. For us today. So that means we want to pay attention to it. And listen. Remember Peter walked on one word. Come. He said come. And that was it. He didn't walk on the water. He walked on the one word. Because water won't hold you up. Remember? (laughs) Oh, you don't remember. You do remember. It won't hold you up. Luke chapter 14, verse number 28. Now, if you look at verse 27 before we get into verse 28, to take the contextual setting, because you can't take scriptures you know, out of their setting and twist them. That's how false doctrine gets started and, and, and perpetrated. And, and, and any false doctrine, the scriptures have to be twisted or thrown away in order to prove a false doctrine. So we don't want to do that. But we do want to take a little... We want to look for the, in these scriptures I'm about to read to you for principles. 
because God always works according to a pattern, a purpose, and a plan. If you don't get anything else I say during this meeting, if you'll remember that and get that in your spirit, just meditate on it. Just don't take my word for it. But God only works according to a pattern, a purpose, and a plan. He's never haphazard. In other words, there, there is a purpose and there's a plan that God has in everything He does. And so if you find those purposes and plans that God has operated by throughout the Old Testament will, will be applicable in the New Testament. Of course, we're in the New Testament now. And you'll find patterns, patterns in the Word of God how God operated at different times in history. Those same patterns have principles in them that are applicable for any human being on the earth and it's okay to act like God. You don't mean you are God, but he wants us to act like he would act in any circumstance or situation. So when you're reading and studying the Word of God, <clears throat> let the Holy Ghost help reveal to you of patterns, the way that God operates and does things. Because anything he's ever done in the past, any way he's done it, any way he's acted, that's the same way he's going to do it a million years from now. Why? Because the Bible says that he is God and that he changes not and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody said, I can't figure out God. Well, you've been looking in the wrong place. It's in his Bible. He gave the Bible for us to understand him and how he works and how he operates. That's why he gave it to us. That's why he gave it to us. This, this is an instruction manual. But the truths in this instruction manual are hidden from the common untrained eye. These things are only revealed to us by his spirit. Remember, he told his disciples when he walked the earth, these things are hidden from them. They're not revealed to all. They have to be revealed, and God reveals them to his children. And if you begin to seek God and pray and study, and, and God understands, let's balance that out. He understands that you live in this physical material world. He realizes that there's things that you have to do to function in this life. So I'm not talking about ceasing to function in everyday life and seeking God because if you don't have a balance in that. All right, can I tell you some other truths that will help you? We're getting there. This will help you. I have seen people seek God too much. <laughs> oh, don't stomp me, sister. I mean, <laughs> what I'm talking about they became so, and I, I, well, I'm using the word extreme because that's what it was, but, but they became over extreme where they ceased to function in life because they failed to be a, a good parent anymore. They failed to manage their children like they should anymore because they're so busy trying to be Mr. Spiritual and, and Sister Spiritual. Let me get behind the roses up here. <laughs> There's a balance. There is a balance. 
I learned these things from Papa Hagen, sitting beside him on the sofa. Before he left here, he sat down on my left, put his right arm around me, hugged me up. I mean, so tight, I thought I was going to burst, but I dare not move. <laughs> Whatever, squeeze me if you want to. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you talk to me about the ministry that the Lord had. So when I talk about seeking God <clears throat> and I talk about being extreme, I'm not talking about being overly extreme because there's duties that we perform as human beings if we're going to live in this life. The Bible says in one place, if a man don't work, he don't eat. That's very unpopular today. <laughs> Especially what they call the millennials, I think. <laughs> they want to march in old signs, but who's going to feed me? My Lord, you know what I mean? So if you were to just seek God all the time but don't work and provide for your family, you know what I mean? Especially as a man. You know what I mean? And I know ladies work too, you know. But if you didn't do that, you know, in the situation you're in, then that wouldn't be right, would it? You're trying to hold me back. No, I'm trying to push you over the edge. Can I tell you something else? You can fast too much. Now, most of us don't have nowhere close to that problem. <laughs> most of us don't have that problem. But I know people personally that have. And, I, you, know, you know, you hear stories about it, but I know one man that fasted so much a good man. He wanted God to move in Manchester, Georgia. You ever been to Manchester? It's right next to five miles from Warren Springs, Georgia. That's where Theodore, president, came to and used to soak in the springs. You know what I mean? The one that had the afflictions, wasn't that him? Who was that? Teddy? Teddy? Yeah. But they would come to Warren Springs, Georgia, which is only 25 miles from where I was born. And so they have springs there called Warm Springs, Georgia. But right beside it is Manchester, Georgia. But this pastor I knew, he, he was a Holy Ghost man too. I'm talking about he prayed, he sought God, and he was just after God with all his heart. So he decided that, that he'd just fast and fast and fast and fast till God moved, you know what I mean? And there's a truth to fasting, but fasting don't change God. But he fasted so much. He fasted so much, and I'm not talking about a few days. I'm talking about 40, 50, and 60 days, 70 days, you know, things like that. And not just one time. He would go in these extremes and, and do that, you know what I mean? And uh, he would talk. I would pray with him during the time. I'd, I'd preach at his church. It was just a little bitty country church. And, uh, and this went back into years ago. But one day I got a phone call, <clears throat> and his wife was crying. And uh, I said, said, what is it? She said, they got Arthur. That was his name, Arthur. She said, they got Arthur up in the hospital. She said, I had to make him go because he wouldn't go. He was one of them old timers. I mean, you'd die. He'd go, you'd go away. The only way he went to the hospital, dead. That's what the old timers done it, you know. And I'm not saying that's right, I mean, but that's the way they done it. 
<coughs> and my daddy was that way, you know. But Arthur is in the hospital. And I said, well, I said, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to go see him. She said, it'll be good. See if you can talk to him. She said, <coughs> she said, you know, what happened is he tried to break his last fast. And he said his body has shut down on him. And he said it won't process food and digest food anymore. It won't go through his digestional tracts. It won't even stay down. It just comes up. And he said the doctors now, he's been there a week, and he said they got him on intravenous stuff, you know. And he said his body has shut down. And he said, he said they, they're saying and telling me on the side, of course he's saying everything's going to be fine, <coughs> that he won't be able to live because his body's going to continually shut down unless his organs begin to start back up. You know, his esophagus and his stomach and, and all those intestines and the large intestines, small intestines and all the different liver and pancreas because they'd shut down because they had no job to do. The function in this life, you need a liver. You need a stomach. You need a pancreas. You need, you need all those things. But he had went so far, extremely so far, that it shut down, and do you know what? His body would not restart. Everything they tried, I mean, the, the best specialist, some of the best specialists in the world at Emory University in Atlanta Hospital, and they couldn't restart him, and he died. Now, let's put it this way. God did not kill him, and it wasn't God's will that he die. said, why didn't God help him get restarted? Well, you come on and go to heaven with me. We'll ask God when we get there. I don't know. But I do know this. If Mr. Arthur, because he told me, had a chance to do it over again, he wouldn't do it. He realized he went too far. And he realized in this too far that he went he was trying to force God's hand. You know what I mean? I'm doing this, so you've got to do that for me. You know what I mean? I'm paying this price, so I'm buying this from you. You don't do that. Fasting changes you, not God. There's nothing wrong with fasting. I want you to fast. Oh, I know today you're coming off that doggone diet and you're going to get you a piece of chocolate cake. I'm telling you now with pecans on top of it. Chocolate pecan cake. And, and you ain't going to get a piece of that lemon pie. You're going to eat the whole doggone thing. My God, that preacher said I can go for it. Well, that's been extreme the other way. You know what I mean? So we're talking about balance. Isn't that right? In, in being extreme. And I tell another one about fasting. Oh, you don't want me to? Yes. Another pastor, pastor friend of mine, he got into uh, fasting. And this was a, a Rama guy that had been taught by Dad Hagen and about living a fasted life. And, and of course, Brother Hagen fasted, you know. But the, remember, the Lord spoke to Dad Hagen and said, I'd rather you live a fasted life. That's what he said, remember, yeah. and balance. Yeah. And that don't mean now, when he said, Brother Hagin, if you'll listen to Dad Hagin, when I say Brother Hagin, I'm talking about Dad Hagin. I'm not disrespecting him. But you'll hear him say things, and you heard him say over the years, he never fasted over three days in his life. And so people say, well, I'm going to put a cap. You can't fast over three days in your life. But let me tell you, 
Brother Hagin wasn't as goofed up as most other folks are, too. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So you have to take it with a grain of salt. He never fasted over three days in life because he didn't need to. But it may be that you have to spend a little bit more time. I'm not saying, you know, you just have to follow the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean in that? But, you know, he, he was raised up off of a deathbed there at just a teenager. So he didn't have a lot of the baggage that a lot of people brought into Christianity. You know what I mean? Because he got rid of them there on that bed, reading Grandma's Methodist Bible, and dealt with issues in his life. And he spent many hours praying. Remember one time he said he was praying something like an old shoe come up out of his spirit. Oh, God, you done gone off now. <laughs> about things and how they come out of you. So he got them out of him in different ways. So I'm not saying that, you know, you only fast three days or whatever, but he talked about living a fasted life is what the Lord told him in balance. But anyway, this other pastor friend of mine, he got into fasting. First, you know, it was five days, and it was seven days, and it was 26 days, and it was 40 days. And he was doing this, and he was um, uh, doing this, and in this time, it kind of separated he and I. Because I wouldn't, not because I was against him or nothing, but because he and I wouldn't walking on the same path. And he thought I was missing God because I didn't go down these extremes with him. I'll be honest, that's just the truth by his own admission. <laughs> he thought that I didn't know the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, I don't mean I do know ever, didn't know more than him, but I realized just from being taught and trained and from what I could see of the Bible, I just didn't believe that that's exactly what you had to do. So, talking about being really extreme, especially in fashion, after he'd done, done, I don't know, several, four or five years of doing this, off and on. He wasn't fasting for five years, you know, but off and on, he'd gone these long fasts, 26 days, 40 days, and, and there, there's some of these times God did help him, God did help his church, and God did change him a lot. But I remember after him going through all this phase, if you don't watch it, you'll get in a phase or a fad, that this is what I got to do, you know. And you'll get after it. You'll go after it. But anyway, after about four or five years of this, he called me one day, which was shocking, you know, because I hadn't talked to him in a while. And we just talked, you know, and laughed. We've always been friends, you know, and stuff like that. And I wasn't against him or nothing. It's just our paths were going different ways. And he said to me during our conversation, <clears throat> he said, well, he said, I just want to tell you, he said, uh, also, <clears throat> And make a confession to you. I said, okay. Whatever that may be. He said, uh, he said, uh, he said, I think I got some things wrong in these extended times of fasting. And he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. Not like that. Didn't say he wouldn't fast, but not like the way he was doing. I said, oh. I said, why is that? And this is what he said. Getting back to balance. He said, I can't perform my duties as a father, a husband, and as a pastor of my church when I'm on those extreme fasts. He was out of balance, you know what I mean? He said, I, can't, he said, I get at times I can't even think right. My mind gets all, you know, because you ain't getting the proper nutrients to your brain, you know, and different things like that. I can't even think right. Now remember, remember, I'm not trying to hold you back. Most of us don't have this problem. <laughs> well, I don't have this problem. You know, I'm not talking about just wildly doing something. I'm talking about having a foundation underneath you. 
having a pattern, having a plan and a purpose that's got a pattern from the Word of God. But again, we just don't wildly, over-extremely try to believe something. <clears throat> like one day I was preaching at Mark 11, 24, and this young lady came, and a lot of people did, you know. And, and I was praying, you know, you can, you know, believe you receive and you shall have them. And so I had a prayer line, you know. This has been quite a few years back. <clears throat> and this, uh, I don't know how many people I prayed for, <laughs> but quite a few in this church, you know, I was at. The next service, this young lady, this college young lady was going to college. She was going to head out to college. She got accepted, and she was really excited. But she needed a car because well, I'd heard them talking, her mama talking, and the pastor and some of them talking about this young lady, you know, because she grew up in church and just had a zeal for God, you know. And so uh, I noticed she'd come into altar call, but I didn't know what she'd come for. But she'd come to me before the service started the next night. Oh, Brother Randy, Brother Randy. Oh, I came in the prayer line last night. Did you see me? I said, yeah, I did. She said, you know what I believe for? I said, no, I, I have no idea. She said, well, you know, I need a car to go to college. <laughs> I said, oh, you do? She said, yeah. She said, that's what I come. She said, you know what? I claimed me a brand new car during that. I said, well, glory, honey. I said, hallelujah. She said, guess what else? I said, what? She said, there's a new car dealership right down here by the church. She said, did you see that? I said, yeah, it's from a you know, different state, but I'd seen the dealership. She said, I went down there last night after church in faith. I said, you did? I said, were they open or closed? Were they open and closed? It's good to ask these questions. Were they open or closed? When you got some wild-eyed person that come out of a faith service preaching, Mark, here they come in the dealership. My God, I want a car, you know? <laughs> you know how you get wild-eyed? You can imagine this young lady, <laughs> you know, in her late teens, fixing to go to college, you know? Oh, she's so excited. I said, were they open or closed? She said, they were closed, Brother Randy. I said, okay, then tell me the rest of the story. I, I didn't know whether I had to leave right now or not, you know, before the service started. She said, I said, well, what did you do? She said, you know, I went down there. She said, all them cars, she was a country girl, they look so pretty, P-U-R. You know what I mean? Country girls. Purdy. She said, they look so purdy. She said, I couldn't decide which one I want. And I said, well, you got to make that decision. She said, no. She said, I went down through there and laid hands on every car in that lot, and I claimed it in the name of Jesus. She said, what do you think about it, Brother Randy? This is during the days of cash for clunkers. I said, honey, wouldn't it have been better if you just believed for God for one of those cash for clunker deals? <laughs> Let's examine her faith. If she'd have got every car on the dealership, she couldn't even bought tags for them. She couldn't even paid the taxes on them. If she'd have claimed the whole dealership, she couldn't even afford to run the lights for one day. You see what I'm talking about? Much less pay the employees and the taxes on the property and just pay to have all the cars washed one time. 
We laugh about it. But if you don't watch it, you'll find yourself claiming everything when you should claim one thing. Because you can overload yourself. You start where you're at. That don't mean you can't believe big and grow yourself. And I mean, even to a place that you get into a place that you're hurt. You don't talk about spiritually. Because you're, oh, I was stretching my faith. You feel like a rubber band is fixing to break. I'm not saying that you can't do that. But sometimes people get too extreme in trying to believe God for things. Claim everything at once, wildly. I'm not talking about that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about focusing in on a destination because you got a revelation of his word. It'll work every time. I mean, it'll work every time. And say, so, well, how do I know what to believe God for? Somehow, I knew you was going to ask that question. I'm sure if you're like most people, you've got a lot of things you want. Write them down in order of priority. What would be the most important thing to you right now? What is something that would fix a lot of things in your life, help you tremendously in your life, work for you, benefit you or your family or job situation, whatever it would be? And I would offer this advice. You do what you want to. That's what I would put, at, put down. And that's what I would go for. And you'll find out that once you knock one of them off the list, the others get easier and easier and easier and easier. This is what Dad Hagen said. He said in his latter years, he said he could easily believe God with faith for a million dollars. Just like it took that same faith to believe God for a dollar years ago. But he didn't start at a million. He started believing for a dollar or ten or five. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and went up the ladder. And then the, the gentleman that had the children's homes over there in... Uh, England, what was his name? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Mueller, Mueller, there you go. We got it. We got tongues and interpretation. That's it. <laughs> tongues and interpretation. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Reverend George Mueller, right? Now, if you want something that will get you, just get his life story. He never asked anybody for a dime. Puts me to shame. <laughs> you know what I mean? And God would call supernatural events. And he took kid, care of just thousands of kids. I don't know how many over the years. Buying properties, building orphanages, feeding them, clothing them, training them, educating them. Oh, it'll just... You read, I mean, just some of the things he just believed in the way he prayed and just childlike faith and then how there were times that it looked like they were going under because the kids didn't have food to eat. He would just stay on his knees and knocks would come at his door. Brother Mueller, I just kept having this feeling. I, I just kept having this sense that I was supposed to bring this over here and give it to you. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you an inside secret. I rarely let this secret out, if ever, but I'm going to give it to you. The most powerful place in the universe for a human being is on your knees. That's the most powerful place in the universe. You can literally change nations in any situation from your knees. Trust in God by faith. We want to do it this way and that way, but we got to do it God's way. Thank God. Isn't that right? And notice, all this happened just by opening the Bible. We just opened it and we... But that's the way the Holy Ghost works. Now let me share this. And I shared this in, just to show you, just to clarify how things work. You understand this is not Randy Greer that's speaking to you today. This is the prophetic office, and I say this very humbly, that I stand in. And I'm operating through the prophetic. Many people think it's just prophesying over people. I am prophesying over you. It's the Holy Ghost. That's how it works. The number one step or thing that a minister does is preacher teach the Word of God. And I'm teaching under the prophetic anointing today. That's why it's so weighty and so heavy. That's, that's where it's come from. It's coming from heaven. So it's speaking by sudden inspiration of the moment. Given from heaven. For us and we're taking advantage of it isn't that right thank God for it <clears throat> so where'd you tell me to turn to Luke 14 <coughs> verse 27 because we're just going to start to read that verse and then we got to said so, and whoever whosoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple that's verse 27 so he's talking about here taking up your cross and following him He's talking about forsaking all and following him. How you know? Verse 33, because this, this scriptures we're going to read is just sandwiched in between verse 27 and verse 33. It says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So in the context of the setting of this scripture, I don't want to take it out of context, He's talking about giving your all and laying your life down for the Lord Jesus Christ and forsaking all to follow him. Isn't that right? But we're looking for what in these scriptures right here? We're looking for a, a pattern which has principles in it that's applicable to every area of our life. You understand? So God always moves according to a plan and a purpose which is a pattern that has a principle in it. So we're looking in this scripture here for a pattern he said, uh, verse number 28, he said, For which of you, and this is the words of God himself, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, manifested in the flesh. He said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Stop right there. There is a pattern right here for every believer on the planet. There's a pattern in this scripture. There's a plan in this scripture. For every person this year, 2017, is a year to be extreme. 
So let's look for that pattern. It's here in the Bible. The Holy Ghost reveals these patterns to us. He said, for which of you intended to build a tower? So first of all is, the pattern is this. We want to build. We want to grow. We want to expand. We want to obtain something that we have presently do not have. Understand? That's what he's talking about. Building a tower. So we're, again, look for a pattern. But again, I know he's talking about <clears throat> taking up your cross and things. But again, we're looking for a pattern or a principle that will apply to everyday situations too. Because you can. So first of all, it's talking about building. <clears throat> it's talking about expanding. It's talking about obtaining. Isn't that right? That's what he's talking about. That's what this pattern is about. That's what this plan's about. So he's about to give us a pattern if you're going to grow. This is from God himself who created the universe. And if you follow him, you cannot fail. And if you use his instructions, it's going to work for you. So first of all, you want to build. You want to obtain something. You want to believe God for a car. You want to believe God for your health. You want to believe God for money. You want to believe God for a job or increase on job or favor or whatever. House or children, you know, people to get born again. All of this. But you want to expand. So the first thing is here. He says, which one of you intending to build a tower? Notice the word intending. Intending. Intending denotes the definition of desire. I desire something. In other words, it's not what God intends for you. He said, what you intend to build. If you have no intentions to build, don't be discouraged. You won't build it. You don't have to be concerned about it. But you've got to have an intention. You've got to have a desire. You do. Jesus said, which of you? Not what God intends for you to do, but what do you intend? So there's a pattern here. When you want to do something, first of all, you've got to have an intention or a desire or a want to to do it. Isn't that right? So this is a pattern because what it comes directly for God. You've got to have a want to. You've got to have a desire. But this desire must come with these words. If you're going to build this tower or if you have this intention, you have this desire, you want to obtain something that you haven't had, which one of it is going to do this sitteth not down first? So the next thing you've got to do is you've got to sit down and you've got to think about it. Most of the Christian world has haphazard faith. Thank you for getting excited. There's no method. There's no reasoning to it. There's no scripture foundation for it. You sit down and you say, well, I want to obtain this, but how am I going to do it? I am so glad you asked. But you've got to think about it because there has to be a plan because it don't just materialize out of thin air. How many of us have found that out? One of these days when my cousin hits the lottery. You know, it wouldn't be you. But when my cousin hits the lottery, I went to clearing house publishers, walk up to the door, and I get that 5000 a week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a plan. That's wishful thinking. Almost crazy thinking. 
I'm not saying it don't happen because they do it just enough to keep people thinking it will happen for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's not the plan. So you've got to have a planning session. Sitteth not down first. That's what Jesus said. You've got to have a planning session with yourself. I'm not saying that you can't include others, but you've got to get it in you. If you can't see it, if you can't own it in you, you're not going to build it. You're not going to obtain it, and you're not going to have it. So you've got to get it soaked in. Isn't that right? You've got to soak it in. You've got to get it inside of your spirit. You've got to be able to see it. Seeing it says, I can have it. I can have it. I can have it. I can have it. Isn't that right? So you're not going at this haphazardly. Jesus said you need a plan. You're going to build it, but you need a plan. <coughs> so you sit down, and then the next thing you do, after you say, I can have it, I can have it, Jesus said, and counteth the cost. Uh, you know, I don't want to be the one to do this, but if I don't, pastor will. So I'll just stand in by proxy for him. And I want to burst a lot of bubbles today. Forgive me for doing this. But there is nothing free in God or in this life. <laughs> Jesus said, count the cost. Yes, Jesus paid a price. But I'm telling you, you're going to pay a price. If you think you're going to receive something from God and not pay a price, you better sit down and count the cost again. If you think that you're going to believe God for something and then float through life on flowery beds of ease and the devil's going down to Florida while you're going through the ice storm, you better think again. There's a price. The price is... Am I willing to do my plans to build this tower, obtain what I want to? I know what the Bible says. I know what them preachers yell at me all the time. I know what I've even prophesied over myself. But will I discipline myself and pay the price? Because you need to count the cost before you start that way. It's going to cost you something. The things of God, yes, are free, but they still have a price. You know what that price is? Faith. You take your faith and you buy from God what you need. Now, that may not be the right way to put it, but you're trying to, I'm trying to make a point here. It's not free. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. The word impossible means not possible. It's not possible to obtain something from God without 
faith. And if you think there is, you haven't counted the cost. Because that's what the Bible says. Even Mark eleven twenty four. What things do you desire? When you pray, believe that you have received them. That means exercise your faith. Deposit some faith here. And then you shall have them. So it's not free. Jesus has paid for it. But he's given you the ingredient to buy it. If you'll allow me to use those words. It takes faith. So you've got to count the cost. But first of all, remember, we're, we're deciding and looking at our intentions of what do I intend to believe God for. Well, I've got 47 things. Oh, that's wonderful. But have you ever believed God for one thing? Successfully. People are believing God for hundreds of things unsuccessfully for 40 and 50 years. Go to heaven, they call it. Believe in God. Oh, thank you for getting excited. But a lot of times, what people in the church world call believe in God and faith is two opposite, totally different things. We call believe in God when we're thinking about it. But that's not what faith is. Oh, you're thinking about it. You want it. You desire it. People call that believe in God. No, it's not. When you have truly believed God, you have deposited faith in you, in that, that you're believing God for. Count the cost. There is a price that you're going to pay to receive whatever it is you want. Now, I don't want to talk about that in, in a way like, a, you know, you're going to get beat to death or nothing like I don't want you to get that concept or drug through the snow behind a wild horse. You know what I mean or nothing? I'm not talking about that. But you've got to get the concept that there are steps and actions required on my part because God has done what he's going to do. No longer can I sit around and say, well, it's, it's up to God. One of these days, one of these days it's going to happen. One of these, no, it's going to happen when I take action. Isn't that right? So what you do is you count the cost. Jesus said, you're building a tower, you've got to, you know, that you're, this is what you want to do. You want to obtain money, faith, house, whatever, people be born again, whatever it is. So you've got to have that. And then you've got to have an intention, you know, that's that desire to do it. And then you've got to count the cost. All right, in counting the cost is, and part of counting the, the cost is this. What is it that I'm going to deposit and pay down or pay for this particular item? So, well, Brother Randy, this thing that I desire is so big, I don't have enough money to believe God. I mean, uh, to pay for it. I don't even have no money to put down on it. You know what I mean? I'm just using some hypothetical situation. Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning because your heavenly Father has a heavenly deposit in your account. Oh, I'm telling you, he's got one. He's given to every man and every woman the measure of faith. And he said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. So where does faith come from? <clears throat> In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. 
part of counting the cost is finding the scripture that you're going to stand on or scriptures that you're going to stand on and make the decision that you're going to read them, meditate on them, study them, get them into your spirit. This is what's going to take you initially to get started on your journey. That's what it's going to take. But it's also what's going to keep you on your journey. Faith, the scriptures, the word of God, not only gets you into faith, they are what keep you in faith as you go along. Because the enemy is going to come. Another thing about counting the cost is the devil. The devil wants to make sure that this word does not work in your life. Because if it works in your life, guess what? You're going to get excited about it and you're going to tell somebody else. In fact, you're going to start going praying for other folks. You're going to start believing God. Oh, quit up. Shut up. You doubt and unbeliever. Let's believe God. Hallelujah. This is what God did for me and it'll work for you. You know what I mean? And I say that nicely. You might not want to tell somebody to shut up. You might have to get up. If you do, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about that. But that's what you want to do. You've got to find the Word of God because there is a price. And how you pay the price for the item that you want is the Word of God. The Word of God contains the amount of money that you need to deposit in the account in order to purchase what you want. And in a sense, you know what I mean? You're not buying it, but it does cost faith. Jesus said, count the cost. You do. So we're not going to haphazardly run like a wild maniac. We're going with a purpose. We're going with a plan. And we got the pattern. And he said here, in verse 28, he said, For which of you intended to build a tower? Sitteth not down first, and counted the cost, where they have sufficient to finish it. Make sure before you ever start to build that you can sufficiently complete it to the end. In other words, you determine in this finishing phase that I'm going to stay with it. And I'm not cursing or cussing, but you've got to have the attitude come hell or high water. I am not going to back up from what the Word says. I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to act on this word. <clears throat> and, and if my faith starts to leak out, because it will, I ain't going to lie to you. When you get it up against something, you're going to be things and your mind's going to give you trouble. You're going to have to make the decision. I'm just going to say what the word says. I'm going to speak what the word says. I'm going to quote what the word says. You've got to decide that up front. That's what Jesus said. You've got to decide before you start that you're going to finish. You've got to make that choice up front. And if you don't, there's no reason and no need to even start on the journey. If you're not going to complete it, you don't start it. If you go with the attitude, well, if it happens, okay. If it don't happen, if it comes to pass, it'll be fine. If it don't be fine, don't start the journey. Just go on and be happy where you are. Because if you're not dedicated and committed to seeing it through to the end, you're going to get disillusioned along the way. Because the devil's nose, you're going to get wishy-washy. And the Bible says in the book of James, a double-minded man, or you could say person, is unstable in all their ways. So we can't waver. We've got to be determined. Anybody that, that received from God was determined to believe God to the total end. And that's the way you do. 
Now, according to this pattern in the Bible, you make all these choices and decisions before you ever start the journey. But many people start the journey because they hear a message. Not because they have done what the Bible says do. Yes, you need intentions. Yes, you need desires. Yes, you need goals. Yes, you need a destination. All of that's good. Isn't that right? But then have we counted the cost? Are we willing to pay the price? Because it does cost something. It costs faith. Everything from God costs faith. Now, I wish we could do it another way, but you can't. That's the way it works. And so I'm not going to discourage you any longer. I'm going to encourage you. This is your year. I mean, you can do it this year. This is your time. This is your season. This is a time to break forth on the right hand and on the left hand. Again, don't try to believe God for everything at one time. Now, I'm not trying to hinder your faith at all. You know, I'm growing in faith exceedingly just like you. I mean, I have to watch myself. (laughs) In other words, Granny would call it, don't bite off no more than you can chew. You know what I mean? I mean, bite off as big a bite as you can, but make sure you can chew it and swallow it when you get through a bite. You know what I mean? And so I have to do my same self. I'm I'm working some things in phases. Sometimes the Lord will show me things to start dealing with me. He's been dealing with one particular thing for about three to four years, trying to get me to act. You know what I mean? But I just wasn't ready. And I just sensed it wasn't time. And it wasn't necessarily because God was trying to hold me back. He just knew I wasn't ready for the journey. You know what I'm talking about? But it's time. If you're ready for the journey, God's ready for you to take that journey. And it don't take long, really, to get ready for the journey. I ain't talking about it's got to be a long, drawn-out process. I mean, you can just sit down and make the evaluation, get the scriptures, get the chapter, get the verse, and just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to believe God. Amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus.